I think we're here. Marzo, where you at? Did we finally make it? We're actually live? I think we're, I think we're live. It took us about 45 minutes to uh, get the stream going. Let me text Lake, make sure that, uh, make sure we're good. But otherwise, let's just get going. Sweet, man. Don't hire us to be your CTOs. But yeah, no. we're here. We're here in New York right now. I, uh, I would show my view, but it would really look bad compared to what you got going on behind you there, man. That's sweet. <laughs> I got, I got the view with zero furniture. I've got an air mattress. I've got a soccer beach chair that I'm sitting on <laughs> and, uh, like a $6,000 apartment that I lucked into for, uh, for half off or three quarters off or a couple months. So we're living a very weird life right now. And you're soon to have a dog in there too. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to get a puppy in here tonight. It's just mayhem. I love it, man. Start a Q2, a little mayhem to get things going. It's all good. So before we get to sales stuff, you, you, uh, you went to Broadway this past weekend. And apparently you kind of led me on, the, on a cliffhanger here on text, but you said something that like you fall asleep at every show and people get mad at you. Can you just explain that situation? I have a lot of toxic traits, but that's my number one. Like hands down, I could be like the, the, the building could be on fire. And if I'm in a comfortable chair, I'm asleep. Like I am that guy, movie theaters out cold before like the show even starts planes. It's amazing before takeoff. I'm, I'm done. But Broadway is the one where I've started to realize it's really bad. Like I'm going to shows. They're obviously not inexpensive shows, like anything on Broadway in like the people there are so embarrassed to be near me because like I am out cold like this and like clearly like the performers can see and everyone there puts so much like passion to like the craft behind it. And I'm just sleeping through the entire thing. Like Hugh Jackman show, we saw it before it was even on Broadway. Like these are tickets that like people would like absolutely love to see. I think I slept through like 80% of it. It was really embarrassing. <laughs> like Wolverine, I fell asleep in a live performance. Did you, did you fall asleep on Friday when you went? No, I got lucky. I, um, 80 minute show shout out to uh six. It was an 80 minute show and it was music from start to finish. Like wow. that I can get behind. If there's a two hour start followed by like 30 minute intermission, you better believe I'm at least sleeping through most of that show. So it, it worked <laughs> out. My girlfriend gave me, she also said that this was my last chance. Like we've done like a dozen shows together. And she literally said, one final try. If you fall asleep in this one, I'm bringing my sister, I'm bringing my friends and you're out. So I get to live to uh, see another, another show. I love it. Is in the same thing happens in like the movie theater. I saw one movie by myself last year, like a day off, saw free guy, Ryan Reynolds. Like that's, that's my favorite actor. $18. Didn't see the entire thing. I fell asleep <laughs> before the entire show. I woke up right as the end final five minutes was there. So yes, every single thing I fall asleep it's toxic. It's awful. Um, it's a superpower at the same time in good situations, but for these things that I pay for, it's things. Yeah. Like my sister's the same way on like a plane or in a car ride or what, like we just went on a road trip and anytime we were driving more than 20 minutes, she was knocked out in the yeah. passenger seat. You know? And then it's the opposite. You're probably one of those kinds of people. And maybe it's like, you know, brother, sister, partners, whatnot. Like if one person can sleep really well, the other person can't. So I don't know yeah, if like yeah. that was you on the plane next to your sister. But I always yeah. like hear from my girlfriend afterwards. She's like, I am so jealous because you slept the entire flight. Like Hawaii, I once fell asleep for most of that flight. Direct flight, 
11, like nine and a half hours. I woke up in Hawaii. Like, are you kidding? It was sweet. That sounds amazing. Honestly, I could go for a good nine and a half hour uh, plane ride sleep right now. I feel sure. like I've been, I've been, I got a bit of a sleep debt right now. Um, but anyways, we, we wanted to get into a topic. We got like 30 total minutes, 25 more minutes. Uh, so if anyone's here on the stream, uh, again, apologies if you came on late. We started this about a half hour late, which was all my fault. Um, but we want to talk about like what's going on with, uh, with our careers, with our lives, like, you know, a couple late 20s guys that are thinking more about, um, you know, long-term kind of career pathing and, and strategy and where you want to be. And I, it feels like, how old are you, 27, 28? 27. 27. I feel like after, you know, five or so years of, you know, being in, in sales and in leadership, you start to kind of think past like the next step or the current step into where like, where do I want to be in 10 years or five years or 20 years? And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and how that relates to, you know, what you got yeah. going on. And so I, I, I agree. And I think like, dude, every, every person has a couple like key points where they have that kind of like flip the switch button, you know, yeah. probably when you have your first kid, anything along those lines, late thirties, there's a couple of times where you kind of like try and reinvent yourself. And it's funny too, because when you get that first initial gig at a college, the most common interview question is where do you see yourself in five years? And now you're at that point where you answer that question back at 22, 23, 21, whatever it may have been at the time. And you're kind of like, okay, like, did I end up where I wanted to be at five years? Like, you kind of just figure that out. It's cool. And then now that did you're you? on the other end, was that? Did you? What were you saying five years Ooh. ago? I was still thinking, man, I still thought I was going to be a police officer. No I, told my, I, told, I told my owner that. I said, I don't know exactly, but I do think I'm going to be a full-time police officer at the time. Um, and look where we are now. <laughs> so totally different, but like, I think my point is though, so now you're in your late twenties, you're answering that five-year question. It might not be it, but now it's not like five years. Like you're trying to understand like what the 10 year objective is at this point. And also trying to like limit the actual things that could deter from getting there. So for example, like, you know, obviously you and I have been chatting about this. I'm essentially, you know, looking for that next, next thing, right. The next position, hopefully head of sales. Um, and the most common thing that I hear from people is that like, cool, you've been clearly doing well. You're, you know, everything along those lines, but you've never sold SaaS, right? Mm. That's a very common connotation or thing that we hear. And that objection will be there in four or five years, yeah. right? Like I know that I see it. So the point is, how can we try and limit that, that conversation in five years when I want to think about that next thing? So yeah. whatever it is, I think, you know, you kind of have to face whatever the future objection is head on sooner rather than later and like take drastic action to try and do that. So. So I feel it's funny when you say the, the five, six year thing, like when you were asked that in your first interview, because I, I forgot about you wanting to be a police officer, but I'm, I'm sitting here uh, two weeks into Chicago, you know, uh, I got a new job, you know, about a year ago, I'm doing all this, you know, podcasting type stuff. Uh, so I don't even know what I would have said back in the, back in those days, but it was not this, this is not right. really where I thought I would be and, and what I thought I'd be doing. So, um, do you, do you feel like the SAS thing is like, I, I get it because all different types of businesses are different and how you get revenue and, 
what what the deals look like and things like that. But wouldn't you say there's a certain percentage of like sales is sales, leadership is leadership, and the experience does translate over? It's not like what you did doesn't qualify as as anything. I think so. Right? Like I think we would all agree. Yeah. That sales is sales. And I'd much rather have that background than try and train for that background. So I don't think anything should ever be, but hasn't done X. You know what I mean? I think it's tough to say, all right, you know, hire a head of sales. Have they ever sold before? That's clearly different, but like industry specific segment specific ICP like specific, like that I don't necessarily agree with if the actual fundamentals are there, but also at the same time, people are entitled to, you know, are supposed to run their business however they want. So I totally get that. So that's why I also am a big believer. And like, I've got this, you know, advice from so many different people, but I know Sam Jacobs is someone that really preached this. So like, look at your career, like a free agent to some degree, like it's okay to try different things to get the experience to then bring it to the next team, the next opportunity. So like, cool. Like maybe you haven't sold enterprise, go sell it for a little while. You've now checked that box, bring it to the next team. And so for me, the next team that I'm trying to just knock that out with, it's SaaS. We got sales underneath the the, uh, the belt, but it's a long-term game that we're playing, man. You know what I mean? I think that's also the way you got to look at it. Yeah. And, and by the way, for anyone that's that's on the live right now, you could feel free to throw, if you got questions for, uh, for Mr. Marzo here, throw them in the chat, uh, throw them in the comments. I got my man Lake uh, will text me, uh, and and uh, we'll we'll get any questions answered if you got them. Best, but why why uh, Lake Waters? By the way, can we best just name in the game? Best name that best name in the game. Dude is a baller. Um, so why SaaS though? When you think about ten years out from now, I think most people will be buying products through some type of SaaS revenue model. Yeah, it makes the most sense for business owners. I think it makes the most sense for VCs and I think it makes the most sense like just in terms of product growth as well. Like there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons and I think we're seeing it. Like, I mean, you're, you're seeing it. Look at Gong, for example, look at all these different companies that have just gone from very little to something massive very, very quickly. It's scaled primarily with that type of product. And I think it's just going to continue um, in that sense. So look, like I could be so wrong in that, but I think it's pretty clear where the money's going. So I feel like there's, I've seen a ton of people now just because the job market is, is pretty lit right now for candidates and people that haven't been remote want to be remote and people that have been stuck at a desk want some more flexibility. And so I see a lot of people trying to get into tech, trying to get into SaaS right now at all different types of levels especially like as a salesperson, um, Mm -hmm. maybe they were selling medical devices or office supplies or something like that, where you're on the road and you're in person, like every day, what, I know your situation is different, but curious if you have any thoughts on, you know, being an outsider, trying to get in and like tactical ways that people can, can help to kind of bridge that gap. Well, that's what, that's the other reason I am now seeing so many more people pop up that are helping other individuals crack into this industry. I don't know if that existed two or three years ago. So that in of itself, if I'm seeing people trying to help other people enter, means that it's an area that there's clearly a lot of demand for as well. So I think that's a good reason that people are trying to get in. And so for all those people doing that work, 
that's great for you. C continue doing that. Like the biggest thing that I've been learning in this process, and like you know this from your experience and other people that are successful then in terms of like finding roles have known, like it's actually very, very fun when you think about it like a sales process. Like it's cliche, but like everyone knows cold outreach for opportunities that not aren't necessarily posted is the best method in terms of finding out whether or not there's a role creating yeah. like an actual top of funnel with the ideal types of companies that you want to work for define that ICP. Like I have all that stuff written down. I've been working with a career coach on writing that stuff down. Like these are things that are very, very important to like create as the fundamental baseline. So like the company ICP, all these different things. And then also like I have a separate spreadsheet and I got this advice from someone else. I'm blanking on who, but like I have a spreadsheet of about 60 people that are, that I look at. And it's almost like my lead sheet. When was the last time I connected with them? What was the channel of connection? And then when's my next touch point with them? And it's mm -hmm. not a necessarily like ask, but it's staying on their radar. Cause like those 60 people, they probably all know maybe two or three. Most of these 60 people know significantly more people that are ultimately hiring. So if you just keep tapping on the window, it's better results. So that I think that would be like the one tactical thing I would say, like create company funnel, company definition, everything that's super, super important, and then get very laser specific on people within the industries and the types of companies that you want to work for and like really stay close to them and don't ask them for stuff. Like I'm not asking for them to connect me automatically, but like whatever, like I'm, I'm sending voice memos, engaging with their stuff on like LinkedIn, yeah. basic, simple stuff. So how often are you, so those 60 people, how often are you, are you doing something like that? You're just going through the list. Like, do you hit three a day or like all of them once every other month? Or like, how, how do you tactically do it? It depends also like kind of on the relationship that I have. So like you're on the 60, you and I might talk once or twice a week, but at yeah. least it's a good connection that I can visibly see. Cool. We texted on Thursday last week. We're clearly connecting now at this point. I would say I probably don't try and reach out to people more than once a week because I don't want to just constantly be, everyone's got jobs, man. Like they got other things to worry about than, you know, connecting with me. But I'd say probably on average, I, it's every like two weeks, there's some kind of initial touch point. And then I might be adding people to that list, taking people away. But like, there's no, there's no negative to like fostering a valuable close network. And I'm just seeing it on paper. That's it. Yeah, was I ha I do the same thing. I've actually been kind of shitty at it the last month or so, but a running list of however many people and then trying to keep up with with certain folks and some people's like maybe it's more of a weekly or a every other week where you're closer and then there's some people where you know you're I'm not expecting them to respond so maybe yep. it's once a month or even once a quarter just like hey, here's an update on on how things are going. And I think people that do that consistently over time, I mean you can just create you're not going to create a great relationship with, I bet you Scott Lease is on your 60. He's on my list too. Like you're not going to create a great relationship with someone like Scott Lease overnight because he's got 10,000 people that hit him up all the time. But over time, if you are adding value and, and trying to help him out what he's doing with Thursday night sales or whatever, then, yep. you know, it's, it's going to get bigger. We've got, well, a, we've got a about a hundred, hundred thousand people that are constantly <laughs> reaching for him for his stuff, man. So yeah, I agree though. You got to keep the list pretty narrow. Um, all right, we've got we've got uh, a comment and a question. So um, coming from Patrick, he says, it's interesting that you would hear that objection with SaaS. 
having worked in SaaS sales, he feels like a lot of reps rely more on the product than actual sales experience slash skills. Not a question, more of a comment. Um, I don't know if I agree. Well, I guess my, my gut take is that in any company and in any industry, there's great salespeople and there's a lot of mediocre salespeople. And then there's a few really bad salespeople. And so I think the ones that stand out are the ones that do actually have real sales skills that they can bank on and aren't just relying on, you know, let's say the gong products sure. or the marketing team to carry them across. I mean, I agree. Like, here's the other thing. And I would, I agree to a certain extent with Pat, but like the, the thing is also identifying, like it's an objection. That's fair. Like, you know what I mean? Like every single pr prospect that we've ever spoke to has had some kind of concern from buying the product. When you're interviewing, you're the product to some degree. So for one person, it's the fact that you might not check this initial box. Meanwhile, when they're writing the job description, the second thing that they typically would include outside of years of experience is have they sold X, Y, Z. So like in this scenario, you know, seven years of, you know, sales leadership experience and at least four of those selling within the, you know, some type of SaaS product with a track record of success. Cool. You should be able to show a track record of success, regardless of whether or not SaaS or not SaaS. And then probably at least some type of connection with just duration of like being in the industry. Like if you've been doing this for one or two years and you've been able to be successful, I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, cracking for the person that's saying we need at least eight years of experience, 10 years of experience is the right one. But if you do go that way, get ready for the objection. You're going to get asked. You haven't been doing it long enough. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Because you're, you know, we're both relatively in the grand scheme of things, you know, pretty young. You're going yeah. after head of sales jobs. And I'm sure a lot of the job descriptions do say 10 plus years or whatever, you know, seven plus years of leadership experience. Do you, I'm, I've always been a believer that, you know, Tony Robbins has, you know, told the story when he started public speaking that you know, to get your 10,000 hours, so to speak, if you do like one show a week for 10 years, that's how he could get there. Or mm. he could just do 10 shows a week for, you know, one year and get that same experience in a shorter amount of time. So I do feel like I know people that are, you know, wildly bright and successful that are, are you know, and their age doesn't really determine things, but just curious how you handle that object. I'm sure you get that objection. Interviews. I like that analogy. Like, if it prevents me from getting my foot in the door, it probably wouldn't have been a good fit to begin with. Yeah. I think it's more so it could be just like, you know, filters for some orgs, but if you, if you hit up the right decision maker within that company and you don't go through the necessary like application process, you get a good relationship going with them. They see you got credible recommendations on LinkedIn maybe they do some research on your company and your message of outreach is really good. You're probably going to get an interview. Like I'm going to call how I see it. I don't think a lot of people have ever gotten back to me and been like, Hey, look, but you haven't been doing this for eight years. You've been doing it for six. We can't have a conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know, like, but that's the other thing. And like, you probably have felt this throughout parts of your career. I know you've navigated the job search a few different times. Like it's not like, it's kind of each day. It's fun. Like I say that early on, it's fun because each day you could try and create systems that work better and eliminate systems that don't work. So yeah. for me, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out my resume 
And quite frankly, not a lot of people have been asking me for my resume, which is ironic because I also don't typically interview with a resume. When I would do interviews with candidates, I typically would just go off their LinkedIn and their experience in that regard, and that would be fine. So why did I originally spend so much time on the resume if A, I didn't necessarily do it, and B, not a lot of people are banking on that here as well. So that's a system that I immediately changed. So I think it should be a process that people try and have more fun with. We got, we got another question coming from Alex. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's broad, but curious uh, what your thoughts are, Brian. Can you provide best, your best tips to be a successful SaaS AE? Ooh, so I'm not, I haven't sold SaaS, so I can't directly say that. But if I had to say that the tactics to be most successful, and I saw, um, I'm going to blank his last name, but Christian, he puts out really good content here on LinkedIn. Krause. He, he put one out today. I would go check that one out. I think it's awesome. He, like how he won 43 deals last year. Number two is the number one important thing for me. Like the most successful account executives know exactly who their ICP is. And it's the biggest change for when people go from not scoring to immediately scoring at like very high volume. Like if you come to a one-on-one -on -one and you can go through your entire pipeline and there's opportunities that when you're presenting it, a good head of sales should be able to say, yes, like this is a legit opportunity because you are speaking to all the determining factors of what makes your ICP your ICP. That is the number one thing. And if you don't know exactly who it is, like A, find out the most recent 50 deals that the company is closed. Like go ahead, figure that out. Company size, title, like, you know, how like length of how long they've been at the org, like all these different things. And then look at like your past 50 opportunities. How many times were you actually speaking with those types of people? If it's like less than 50%, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe your close rate isn't as high as maybe other people on the team. So I think that was the number one thing that made the biggest difference in like the account executive position. Like, are you actually, actually focusing on the 20% of opportunities that's going to lead to 80% of your quota or higher? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of like a focus thing. It's the same as what you're saying with the job search. Right. It's like if you go to every single sales leader opportunity that you see on LinkedIn, um, that's a job posting. I mean, there's probably thousands and thousands of them, but you already know, hey, I want to be in SaaS. I want to be at this stage of company. I want to be maybe at this title. I want to be at this kind of vertical of it. And then you start narrowing down what your ICP is. Then you can really focus on crushing the, I don't know, dozen companies that you're going after versus sending out the resume to a thousand of them. The same thing with sales. You know, most of, I did a, like they have the, you know, the 80, 20 rule is, is pretty yep. well known in life. And I did that. I'm always curious with it. I did an analysis last year in my territory. I had about 40 named accounts I was working and I would have hit my number just from five, of them, you know, five or six of them. And so the, I spent so much time trying to reel in these other 35 and, probably spending way too much time focusing on them when if I just even doubled down even more on those first five or six, I probably could have even doubled what I sold. Right. And so I, I definitely agree with you, like find the right accounts and then find focus on the act, actual activities yep. that are going to lead there. So, you know, if you're a new business, it's, it's making sure there's prospecting time on the calendar every day. Um, you know, if you're in a different type of role, it might be something different, but Focusing and putting your mental energy on revenue generating activities versus updating Salesforce or slacking with your bestie at work or whatever it might be. Save that for the afternoon. And those people, those 20% that we just talked about right there, 
they got referrals. I mm. promise you. Like, it's crazy how if you're connected with the right people at the right companies, they, other, they know the other decision makers at the right companies. They'll connect you with them. So, yeah. absolutely. And they're yeah. all, nowadays, like us salespeople, we have so many communities that have popped up. There's, you know, Pavilion, there's Thursday Night Sales, which you mentioned earlier. There's, you know, Rev Genius and SDR Defenders. There's, there's dozens of them. But the same thing happened for whoever your buyers are. If you're selling to a marketing leader, a sales leader, an IT leader, they all have their own back channels and they know who's good and who's not. And so if Ryan is the VP of marketing at this company and he just bought this great marketing automation platform from a company, he's and someone asked him, he's going to say, yeah, I bought it from, I bought it from Tom. I bought it from Tom mm -hmm. over at, this, at, at HubSpot or wherever. You know, and the, the name travels of your company, the name travels of you as a salesperson, uh, both whether you do a good job and a bad job. And so if you do a good job, then you have people, you know, finding leads for you, right? You have your customers putting in work for you and that's, you know, less calls and emails that you have to make. So uh, totally agree. Go, go where your people are, get really good relationships, ask them for support. And I like people will most likely start to gravitate and like without getting too like McConaughey-esque on this kind of thing. But like, I tell you what, man, like, if you focus on some people call it like law of attraction, whatever it is, but like just vibration, right? Like if you simply start to just vibrate towards opportunities. So like in this example of like looking for your ideal job, maybe you're trying to become a, you know, CS leader at an organization that's in series B. If you solely focus on that type of opportunity by doing your research, crunch base, LinkedIn, whatever it might be, you're going to also weirdly notice through other channels, those opportunities as well connections, introductions, things along those lines. But when you cast too wide of a net, that vibration never really comes from any direction. So the same thing applies to your ICP in the sales environment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's something that I suck at, honestly, is putting too much on my plate, trying to do yep. too many things versus a few things really well. But I mean, the best salespeople are the ones that they just focus on, they know what to do. They focus on doing the right tasks and they block out the noise. They block out the extra Slack notifications or, you know, the, the menial tasks that don't amount to anything or the non-ICP, you know, lead that comes in through the website that, you know, is, is just going to be a tire kicker and you already know it before you talk to them. Um, and they just focus on where the money's going to be or where the success is going to be. And I think the same goes to a job hunt or whatever else you're trying to do here. Or worse comes to worse, just bring your dog on screen. So if you're ever on a call and you got a little dog or anything like that, let them hang out for a second. This is who's joining me right now. There you want to, you want to, you want to introduce the pup? This is Dottie. She is the actual decision maker in my household. Every single thing revolves around her and her schedule at this point. So six month old French bulldog. There you go. When <laughs> you out, always bring out the dog. Does the dog go on job interviews with you or no? Um, well, I have to call it out. I'm like, you're going to see me look at the floor a lot and it's not a nervous tick. Like my dog is just like eating something that she shouldn't. And um, yeah, so it comes up on most conversations. I love it. Um, all right, we're about at the top of the hour. Uh, so everyone that, that joined, that stayed, thanks again. Sorry again for being 30 minutes late. That was 100% <laughs> my fault uh, and my technical difficulties. We're going to try to get this going uh, on more Monday mornings and get- Show the chair real quick. We got to see the chair. All right, well- so you, you see the great view from this apartment. What you don't see is that I own zero furniture Let's and I'm, I'm sitting on a soccer chair. 
I slept on an air mattress last night. So we, we like to keep things humble around here in the Tahoe uh, abode. Yeah, I don't think there's humble with that view, but it's sweet. <laughs> it just balances it out. I appreciate you coming on, Marzo. Everyone, go show Marzo some love. Connect with him on LinkedIn. Add him. Give him a job. You know, whatever you got to do. Write him a referral on LinkedIn. Send us, send us dog food. Send us send some treats. And treats. <laughs> yep. All right. All right next time. Peace. Thanks for checking out that episode. Start of the year. Let's kick some ass. Again, one of my goals for this show is to get as many subscribers uh, wherever you're listening here uh, on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. Subscribe, leave a review, and then hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, Tom Alamo, uh, or any of my other socials at Tommy Tahoe. Look forward to connecting with you there. Peace.